Hello everybody, welcome along to another one of these Italian football podcasts. It's been a big weekend, it's been a long day, an even longer weekend. Bernsey and I are on the verge of falling asleep, I think. I'm here, Connor Clancy, joined by Ewan Burns. Hello. Hi. Hanging in there? Yeah, I'm G'd up by a million red cards. Yeah, we started working together... (laughs) 14 and a half hours ago <laughs> we've still got a little <laughs> bit to go um so that's been nice we've also got kev fugzelski here with us kev how are you i'm quite fresh i'm good how are you doing well, hang on what were the last few words out of your mouth there how you doing how, how you doing, doing? yeah <laughs> <laughs> how you doing how you doing oddly enough i just have been on the phone to the scotsman maybe i'll pick that up from there <laughs> literally someone in edinburgh <laughs> so um yeah maybe i was, maybe i sort of entered me and uh so i took my uh my language kevin then, genuinely appears to have lost yeah. the ability to speak in the last few minutes before we came on to record it's been a long way how we're doing that i've only just realized Connor, when you said about when we started work together, I actually yeah. it didn't click in my mind that that was today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I was like, no, I wasn't on a, on that earlier. I was like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> that is how long the day's been. Yep, um, which is why I cannot wrap my head around the fact that Milan played on Saturday night because that feels like it was <laughs> Thursday. Uh, it's been a long day, but look, we're nearly at the end of it now. Oh, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling with the fact that we've had all ten games nice like on the, week, yeah. on the weekend. You know, we've already we've already recorded. Nice, but shall <laughs> yeah. we get into it before we waste any more time? He says as he doesn't even have the list of Serie A results up in front of him. But it started on Friday <laughs> and it finished on Sunday, which is the first time we've had a three day match day since Christmas, and that is as nice as it is stupid. But we've got another three day match day next. As, oh, they're not confirmed, are they? They are confirmed after the international break, but we do have an international break now, so we can have a little bit of rest. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It started on Friday evening. Sassuolo beat Spezia 1-0, and Atalanta beat Empoli 2-1 by that same score. Hang on, what's going on? Hey. I lost the Zencaster <laughs> server I forgot again. you have been seeing Kev just disappeared, went offline. <laughs> right. I was looking at a different yeah. tab, and I could just hear you giggling. So, stop it, because I'm telling you now, I got, yeah. at the end of a 15 and a half hour working day by the time we finish recording, I'm not editing this podcast, so please do Don't not blame test me. Don't blame me, blame the software. Atalanta beat Empoli 2-1, Monza Cremonese was 1-1, Salernitana Bologna was 2-2, and Udinese beat Milan 3-1 in the most surprising result of the match day. Milan back to being rubbish again, it seems. Samp got a shock win, which is probably almost as surprising as Udinese's. They beat Verona 3-1. The biggest shock there was that Samp scored more than one goal and they won a match at home. Napoli beat Torino 4-0. Of course they did. Their lead at the top extended again. It's now 19 points. It had been 18 points and before that it had been, I think, 16 points. It's going to be over very, very soon. Fiorentina beat Lecce 1-0. The two derbies to finish the match day, Sunday 6 o'clock, Lazio beat Roma 1-0, and then Juventus won at Inter by that same scoreline. There were red cards aplenty in those, and I think we should probably start with the, I'm going to say it, the biggest derby that we had this weekend. It was the one in the capital, it was Lazio-Roma, Bernsey, Mattia Zaccagni got the game's only goal, and Lazio left with all three points. I will talk about that. I want to very briefly point out the irony that Vito is not with us when Samp have won only their third game of the entire season. (laughs) He's not here to talk about it. I have a feeling one of their other wins came when he wasn't on the podcast as well this season. (laughs) One of their other wins. It must just be the other win, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the Lazio game, it's a weird one because obviously the the red card for Ibanez came not very far into the game at all. Um, what was it, 20-something minutes or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's no getting around the fact that completely alters the spectacle. It did mean that the first half was extremely feisty. Um, and there was, you know, it didn't feel like there was going to be one red card. And it didn't end with one red card, although the the other two came after the full-time whistle. <laughs> um, yeah, I but it did massively of that, to be honest. Mm, yeah, because, like... That that the the way in which they happened after the whistle absolutely could have happened during the game as well. There, there wasn't really much difference, um, but 
yeah, the games of spectacle did get dampened by that red card. Like it helped create all the fighting and stuff, but in terms of the football match, it did hinder it. Um, I think Roma probably did pretty well for it to only be one nil, really. In in the context, Lazio were attacking throughout, looked pretty decent without looking prolific, and maybe maybe should have scored more considering how long it was with ten players. Do you think one nil flatters Roma? Um, I mean, they did what have they the goal. To do really? Like Roma did sense. have a goal that was. It looked fine for a long time, and then it was ruled out. So it, they very <laughs> nearly got a point from that position. Yeah, and I think that that would have been pretty incredible, really, because I think yeah you know, they, they had ten players for so long, and it was basically just one way traffic the whole time. I think the fact that they didn't kind of implode in the atmosphere, being the way team and etc., and you know get somebody else sent off at least within the ninety and just concede loads, which can happen very easily in that situation. It's probably the best they could have hoped for. That that goal that they had disallowed took so long, considering when Four you saw the, um, yeah, what are we calling it now? Are we call it the automated offside, whatever we're offside. calling it. I can't remember what it's called. Semi-automatic offside. It, the player was so far ahead of the yeah, Lazio player. It was a slam dunk the once, once you saw it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, how has that taken four and a half minutes? It was it was crazy when you sort of consider because I thought you know it was going to be a, and it, it it messed with my head a little because I'm thinking okay so there's like a, there's a bit of a shoulder there that's just beyond the other player and I'm thinking no that's the defender the other player mm-hmm. is so far beyond that Lazio player in that that still computerized image that I can't believe it took that long but yeah it was a it was a strange old strange old uh, well yeah there were quite a lot of decisions long. this weekend like I mean in the last two games that we've just watched the two derbies that I can't quite understand and the the process to get to that offside decision is definitely one of them for me with yeah I can't work it out for all of the reasons you've said Kev I would very much echo those but can we talk about the first half please because the first half is where all of the fun was because it was just chaos. People were kicking people. People were pushing people. Everyone was going mad. Gianluca Mancini somehow didn't get booked twice. Kev, I can't be the only one that at points in the first half was expecting this to finish nine against eight. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it started with a lot more intensity than than I expected because... Um, this, now this isn't a push for the book but for the, the book that I've just brought out everybody uh, I attended the derby in uh, the end of the 2017-18 season and it was a similar sort of thing Roma and Lazio were third and fourth although there was you know a little bit of the season left there was only three automatic places in Champions League and they kind of played out a sort of a, a, a tepid really uneventful a nil-nil draw because it was almost like we'll we'll just take this, we'll move on, and we'll go and you know settle our destiny destinies based on the games we've got left against the other teams. But you know it was blood and thunder straight from the start. You know, you, you, like you say, you were expecting there at least to be a red card for each side, and um, yeah, you had mentioned it uh, online that with Mancini on the pitch after <laughs> yeah, Ibanez has gone, actually. you thought it was gonna couldn't probably be him. Um, what you sometimes see also is the refs maybe even things up because it was it was probably warranted red card for Roger Ibanez, but um, soft in a way. I think some other, maybe other occasions, maybe other referees would let them go. I was in shock during this game because before Gianluca Mancini finally got his yellow card, the commentator said something <laughs> that I couldn't quite believe I'd heard, which is that he's only picked up four yellow cards in Serie A this season and the last one before this evening was on the 2nd of November now Ewan that's not, that can't be the case I mean it'd be wonderful if we were able to record warnings wouldn't it how, yeah. how many warnings he's had in comparison to everybody else because it must be like 55 times more than any other player if he's somehow avoided yellow cards 
Now that would be a better statistic than some that the Serie A site come up with. <laughs> all this sort of optimum length and all this other thing they come up with. All those statistics, the um, warnings would be much, much better. The for them. stride width. Um, but yeah, is that mm. is that a real one? I don't know. I mean, I made it up, but I, okay. I wouldn't necessarily right. say no. <laughs> but see, the fact that I had to question that <laughs> tells exactly. you what we're dealing with with the Serie A game. But maximum apex height of yeah yeah that actually is one, which is that's, that's equally as daft as what i just said, what you said. <laughs> maximum indeed what? yeah apex height is, is, <laughs> that is that's actually there's, worse there's yeah. like yeah, it is, is because yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense the high altitude game was the best one <laughs> In Rome. <laughs> oh. I remember checking the sea level that sounds... what the altitude level of Rome was. Yeah. It was like 50 metres. But that just sounds like something Victor Osman's getting every time he sort of scores we'll another head of him. Napoli, We will get on to him. Don't you worry. Oh, yeah. Altitude striker. It, it was a Matea, Matea Zaccagni goal that, that settled it. Lazio have now done the double over Roma for the first time in a Serie A season since 2011-12. As we mentioned on the preview show for people over at patreon.com slash football. And that gives them the head-to-head advantage, which I didn't expect to be the case this season because Lazio were just so funny. Roma feel a little bit more... They are still a bit stupid, but they feel a little bit less stupid than Lazio. Their swings aren't quite as wide. Roma are more like, centred towards scraping wins and just getting beaten, whereas Lazio can get hammered and and hammer somebody. But Kev, this should give Lazio something to to build upon, but their issues this season have been that when they've got these wins, they've fallen short. So they've got Monza next. You'd expect them to mop the floor with them. Yeah, you would. Um, They've not been quite as bad as Inter sort of uh, having terrible sort of points losses after uh, looking like they're going on a bit of a run. I think... Uh, we've got this international break now, so there's a lot of planning that Sarri will be doing. I saw after the game he was happy that uh, Zakanyi and also uh, Casale, who scored the own goal that was disallowed, uh, aren't going away on international duty. So he said like, they've, they've been playing um, games every four days, the team need a rest. So I, I think actually Sarri will use this to his advantage and they, they'll come back, they'll, they'll smash them and hopefully use the... Um, the lack of European football to get a different face in Champions League next year, maybe. Fingers crossed, Bernsey. Um, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't share my sentiment about a different face in the Champions League next season being Lazio. So. <laughs> this this top four fight, it's it's so daft that even when, even if a team you prefer loses a game against another team in it, nothing ever seems to quite feel like the be all and end all. Because it keeps switching around so many times, it, it's kind of, it's it's that that's bad for when you win because you can't quite trust that anything's really actually happening. But it's good for if you lose because you think, yeah, but next week it could literally just, you know, I know not next week in this instance, but generally speaking, it can just flip straight back around again. Lazio may well drop points against somebody rubbish, and Roma may well win, and then flip again the next weekend because that just seems to be what's happening every single week with all of these teams. They're, they're, they're all generally speaking not very good <laughs> because I was uh, I was doing some stuff at, at the day job um, some modelling some number modelling and I was key so the, to the, work the word out. number was key there wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah number modelling not just normal modelling and uh, I was keen to work out when Napoli are going to win the league um, because I, I wanted to get down to Naples, but actually it's it's now going to be uh, week thirty two. Everybody, uh, spoil the spoil the fun for you everybody. Say that. But Napoli, I've got. Definition. You say that I still think it's thirty one against you yeah. against Juve. Um, yes, oddly enough, if Juve had fifteen points back, let's say for you know for any reason <laughs> whatsoever, uh, it wouldn't be thirty one because there wouldn't be a big enough gap in the points that are available at that stage of the season. But um, no, the uh, I, I might actually write this down and uh, look at it in the end of the season, but I have Napoli finish on 97, and then Inter, Lazio and Roma all finishing on 70, and Milan on 68. That'd be amazing, Hang on. It? So, there's, so uh, who's finishing second? 
uh, into, well, actually, because it doesn't allow for the head-to-head, -head, those three are just okay. on 70 points but, into uh, yeah, Roma and Lazio. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So what you've predicted, Kev, mm. second place will have 70 points. Napoli already have 71s, yep. done. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> the title's done. Fine, easy. Um, oh, we'll you're late. You, you've missed it. <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, they're celebrating. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about Inter Juventus, aren't we? Because that was the other derby, the second one. I found this a bit of a tough watch, to be honest with you, as I as I tend to when one of these teams are involved, and it came at the end of a long day and a longer week, so I was distracted and willingly. I'll admit, I'm not sure if it, because it came at the end of a long, well, it's been a long two weeks. I think after coming after that other derby, mm -hmm. I was distracted anyway, because I just, I, know, I, just, I felt, because I, I was doing other stuff, but I felt like I, I, I dedicated more time to the Rome derby than I was expecting to. So then when Juve Inter was playing, or into Juve that way around, uh, I, I felt like, because I'd invested that other time in the room, I really had to sort of be a little bit more engaged with other things going on in the home, which is usually, you know, Stace wanted to have a conversation with me. But um, it was it was a it was a hard one to get into. It was hard to get into. I think we have to have a little bit of a discussion. I I don't think anyone here is going to get a tinfoil hat on anytime soon, which is helpful. Although I think it might be easier to explain if we did get our tinfoil hats on, because. Adrian Rabio doesn't appear to be able to be penalised for handballs. Um, Philip Kostic's goal was controversial, to say the least, Bernsey, because it seemed like not only Rabio but also Flavich handballed <laughs> the ball before the goal. Twice. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing at the moment. This is kind of happening across leagues. Is that because obviously Bio's been around in those top leagues for a little while now. <clears throat> so, but you still, you still get, you know, there's there's still lots of little rule changes going on, and the handball rule is one that has been repeatedly changing over the past like three or four years, and it, I think that that, that there has been a massive increase, not just in Italy but other leagues as well. But, you know, there's been loads of it in the Premier League where there's just lots of decisions where you can look at it and compare it to another one and go, that was the same thing with a different outcome, <laughs> and it it almost seems to be it gets to a point where you think. You know, is it competency of officials? Is it how the information is being delivered to them? And, you know, what time frame they've been given to learn this stuff? Because obviously, you know, while it is an assistant reviewing it and stuff, these are, for all intents and purposes, kind of still snap decisions in a pressurised environment. You know, they've got a bit more grace than they used to. But it's, as much as we want to slag them all off, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Is the environment pressurized when it's the var guy though uh i mean yeah i think it still is not not as much as it is for the ref um but i think you know you you are still essentially under quick time pressure to do something knowing that millions of people are massively scrutinizing what you're doing in that exact moment um i'm not necessarily trying to defend the refs as such but i, I think maybe systemically within officiating there seems to be confusion around handball rules basically it seems to change a lot and they seem to struggle with the implementation of it because it keeps changing i i think that is part of the problem and we've we've gone too far down this road of talking so much about interpretation of the handball rule or what part of the sleeve it uh you know it hits um Jolly enough, a, a different podcast I was listening to, Jonathan Wilson made this point, and I made it online earlier this evening, uh, tweeting that the rule was brought in decades ago to stop people literally running with the ball. You know, that's where the sport sort of was born from. And then, you know, kind of added to that, it was it was brought in to kind of stop people punching uh, the ball into the net, although that didn't stop uh, our dear Diego in 1986, but, you know, we're not complaining. Um, but then VAR would have stopped, you know, stopped that not being... No, no, but, but, then, but then VAR would have stopped spotting someone point, punch the ball into the net. And I'm old enough, you know, you say it often enough, I'm old enough to remember when 
the ball striking you, like it struck Rabiot and that, and it had no direct impact on that little phase of play, even if it led to a goal. You know, there was a lot. The ball moved a long way before, it, you know, Kostic um, scored. But you didn't even see arms flailing, calling for the ref to give a handball. You know, that was almost the perfect scenario was, was what we had, the, the players' reactions, how they felt about handballs, say, 20 years ago. But if VAR could spot the ones where it's come off of somebody's arm. There was, there was another handball incident this weekend where the Spezia defender, his, his body's in a natural position, but the, the, the shot's coming from so close away that it hits his hand, and it's, but it's going to stop a goal. And that's fine. I've got no problem with that. Because then, but people then have discussions, oh, his arm was in an unnatural position. The only place that ball is going when it strikes his arm is in the goal. So I wouldn't even book him, but I would say penalty. You know, in that scenario, I think the booking is ridiculous. In the same way as a player can be shooting the ball and it's going off to the corner flag and it strikes their arm just on like the edge of the area and we suddenly get a penalty. The ball is going nowhere near the goal. If it's directly, if you're not, if your arms aren't in an unnatural position and the ball's going miles away and stuff, then just just ignore it. It's 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 really hard for for referees, you know, more than anybody else. I think people very when you get one like the UV one tonight, I think people very quickly want to jump to another extreme of sack it all off, get rid of all of it, sort of thing. And I still think that is utterly stupid because if you look at the Roma Lazio game, that Roma equaliser. Yes, it took them too long to get to the decision, and that's a kind of separate discussion. That's something that can be streamlined. But that goal would have stood pre-VAR. That would have been a goal, and it shouldn't have been a goal. And can you imagine the uproar? I think people are very quick to forget what it used to be like when you conceded a goal that was blatantly offside, or you had a red card that was just utterly stupid, whatever, or one missed for the other team. It was horrible. And I think, generally speaking, having... Yeah, video technology, in a retrospective sense, is in basically every other major sport. Like it's football was lagging behind in that way, and it still does for lots of you know. Look at rugby, where they can listen to the ref, and it affects player behaviour on the pitch. That that feels like the correct way that things should be heading. It's just that football is a very proud sport. But like like I said, I, I still I think it should still it should still exist. But I think. They they're really struggling with the implementation of it. I generally agree that we we do need VAR, and my issue isn't so much with that; it's more with what the handball rule keeps changing mm. to and from. No, we're gonna move on because we've spoken too much about this already. No, no, no just just one. Oh, oh, okay, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> no, well, well, because I, I was gonna say we had. So I'm, I'm 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 all for VAR, all for VAR, but this handball rule, the special one. Fine, natural body handball. The the Juve one doesn't take it away from a into into uh, player. You know, it doesn't doesn't deflect far enough. You've got the other example this weekend, which was the um, the Udinese player. It bounces unfortunately up off of his thigh, but across his body, and his hands just there. Now that you know, I'm not claiming that that's not a penalty because his hands in a natural position. It, it comes off him so quickly because it's going into the path of a Milan player. That's the one where an unfortunate deflection can hit your arm and, and stop that trail of where the ball's going, and it's close enough that you really got to give a penalty in that decision. But uh, you know, in that, in that situation, but it's yeah, it, the, the, the Juve one for me is a little laughable. I know how much we you know want it to probably be a bit be a. I was going to give you an opportunity to talk about your book there, Kev, but I think you've just eaten into that time with your little. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Go on, look, we've had two big derbies on Serie A, Kev. You're a derby man. Tell us why. Uh, I'm a Derby man because I have launched a book coming out uh, in an hour in the UK, uh, 20th of March, uh, available on Amazon. Uh, and it's the biggest, uh, most passionate single city derbies in world football that I've travelled to. Read about my journey and there's two Italian ones in there for you, more than any other country gets. Um, and it's the Derby della Capitale that's taken place today and one that um, won't take place for a little while. Um, well, the Derby maybe. della Lantana between Genoa and Sam. So it's got those... Birmingham versus Villa in it. <laughs> it hasn't. I stayed away from UK uh, UK no grounds. No fucking chance. <laughs> yeah. Twitter user. Nobody watches English football. <laughs> what an angry man! For it's the biggest derby in the world. <laughs> Stop it. There's no need to do the accent. 
That was childish. Listen, I, I grew up near enough to Birmingham that I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved because I can't do accents. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to do that one. Um, Napoli, they're 19 points clear at the top, Ewan, because they beat Torino 4 0. And at no point in this game did I think, whew, they, they scored four but because they're just brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, literally, barring a little spell in between the first and second goals, where Torino were actually quite good and probably could have scored, barring that, it, it was like a friendly. Like all of their games at the moment are just, and that, that's not that's not slagging off Torino in any way. That's because of how good Napoli are. It's just the games are just kind of a procession, and they they just score. Ozaman just scores. Goes on the pitch and he scores. And if he doesn't score, somebody else is going to score. And it's usually Kvalat Skellia. And if not, there's other people who can score. They just score all the time. And it we was got the just. Other... And Dombele got the other, didn't he? Today. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So there you go. That's his first one as well. So and add, add another one to the list who can score. They're, they're just. There's goals everywhere. Everyone should watch them when they are on, even though if you've done it enough now, it can, it can actually, in a weird way, get boring. No. On, only, only in the sense of the spectacle, you know exactly what's going to happen. But then one of them does a really good goal and you go, oh yeah, that's why I'm watching this because they, they're going to do really good goals. Yeah, I... I... It's almost as if you can pre-write a match report, go out for Mother's Day <laughs> lunch with your mum, come back and publish it. <laughs> that's, how, that's how much you can predict what Napoli are going to like do. like I was doing that for <laughs> Milan when they were winning for game 1-0 and now I don't know what to do with them either. Um, I disagree that it's boring. I take the point... But I don't think it is because there's so much more at play here. It, it, it's Napoli. It's not yeah. one of the teams that's... It's not a team that's been winning every league for a few years or even won anything for 30 years. Kev? They're away today, though. See, I know you've... What? I know you've probably done like the Europod, but the, the British commentators were making... Maybe because of what Ewan was saying. You know, they had very little else to speak about and they were sort of spent a lot of time comparing... We're trying to compare and eventually just come back round to the fact that no, this achievement wouldn't be any better than the Maradona era. You know, it was their first titles and that. But then you look at you look at the potential route they've got to the Champions League final. You look at how they could blow away a, a Bayern Munich the way they defend at times this season. Chelsea have been absolutely terrible. Um, Manchester City, the only ones that I think that probably have that sort of experience and now to stop them yeah. is Real Madrid. And then I think. That people are saying, oh, you know, um, Kravitzelli is getting this sort of Maradona sort of size sort of following across Naples, and I think that's hard after like one season. But the the team achievement, if they were to lift the Champions League, I think probably would surpass those two titles. Oh, yeah. Maybe, if they do both, yeah. Um, I think in terms of what mm. it means to the city of Naples, no, but as to Napoli as a football club, probably yeah, because th- there's all sort of like political reasons behind why those titles back in the 90s, particularly the first one, the 80s rather, was was so significant. But if, as a single season, if they win a European and Serie A double, that is the best yeah. thing they've ever done in a season. And you'd argue it was a more level playing field this year. You know, the finances of the the you know the the domestic teams and also the local uh, sorry the European teams um, now is just sort of out you know outstrips what there was in the uh, sort of late eighties early nineties because they don't have Diego Maradona like Faraskelli is a guy who came from Georgia last year no one knew it's not it, they don't have the best mm. player in the world he could well go on to be that but he's not we did speak on the Europod no. and on the preview pod but both of those were recorded before the Champions League draw was made. But I remember, Brindsey, I've chatted to you so much that I can't remember if this was on air or if we just had this chat after the draw because we stayed on the phone together for a close to eight hours on Friday throughout our respective yeah, working days. That, that was weird. I'm of the opinion <laughs> that over two legs, I reckon Napoli would beat Real Madrid. And Real Madrid are the only thing I could see stopping Napoli in the in Europe. But in the final, Real Madrid beat whoever they come up against. So Real Madrid will only not win the Champions League if they get knocked out in the quarters or semis. If Real Madrid gets to the final, just give them the trophy. See, now, I feel the opposite way around. 
in the sense that, and what I've always thought with Real Madrid in recent Champions League season, when, when a team like say, say, say Liverpool circa or on the twenty eighteen, just as Liverpool got good again, um, the kind of feeling was that in a one off game they could do anyone sort of thing, but it's it's over two legs where the sort of cream rises as it were, and the the, the teams with the most Nelson experience kind of get the job done. And that that's kind of how I feel about if Napoli were to play Real Madrid. I feel like they could they could blow anyone away, Napoli, over in a game. And this isn't to say that they can't beat Real Madrid over two legs, but I just think that the way that Real Madrid just seemed to get the job done in the Champions League over two legs against basically anyone in the past few years, that's what I find more scary about them than the idea of playing them in a final. Real Madrid don't lose finals, though. <laughs> anyway... Just, oh, I don't want to either. Just, but... <laughs> just look up their record in finals. It's <laughs> actually not funny. It's so good. It's terrible. But they don't lose two-legged ties either. They to get they that. lose them <laughs> way more often than they lose finals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. How many Champions Leagues have they got? Is it 14 or 15? 14. 14. I think they've been in 17 14, finals. Yeah. Like, um, that. that's not normal behaviour. <laughs> you cannot... No, it is. No, I know what you mean. It is a. It is a. And I, I, the thing is, when when they did the sort of first five back in the fifties with you know De Stefano and everything, we just kind of can can, de, you know, we can put that in that era and say that was you know that was that was the start of the competition or whatever. But what they've done recently since within the three, I think, then there was a year off and then they came back. They won in Kiev and then had a year off, but then they've gone and won uh, consecutive ones anyway. That's that's just bizarre. In the modern world that we live in, it is bizarre to have that much dominance and just almost this magnetic pull to the trophy. Um, but I, I, I don't know if this is, after seeing the draw, this is hope or you know just a feeling I've got that I see Napoli reaching the final. I see City beating Madrid over two legs in the semi that Pep will finally get one over you know, because he's obviously, but then he'll up massively overthink the final, and this might be the bit that is probably hope on expectation. Napoli absolutely humiliate them. <laughs> that would be good. The, yeah, humiliate City. Um, but he kind of overthought the one that uh, City lost against Chelsea in twenty twenty one, and yeah. So who knows? But what a chance, and just brilliant, really, because you know we're, we're probably doing a disservice to Benfica, yeah. but to have an Italian side in the Champions League for the first time since, was it 2017, Juve lost to Madrid in 18. Millennium Stadium? 17. That was the last one I can remember. 17, was it? Two years yeah. after they lost to Barca at Wembley. Yeah, yes, yeah, 2017 then, because I know Barca was definitely 2015. Yeah, it, it is good, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm not going to say we have, obviously we don't, but even include Benfica in it. I tweeted this shortly after the draw. How do you want to speak again? You just finished. That, to have an Italian well, team or Benfica in the final guaranteed is amazing. Yeah, and the draw was made after I'd got back from Madrid, cancelled my hotel in Istanbul, and realised actually now I've got some holiday <laughs> left. So if Napoli, if an Italian side's going to get there, I could have just gone out to it. But there you go. Um, put it's a hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. Touch on your social media handle at Rabbit Rabbit on because you never stop speaking. Just an insight to the listeners. Kev had barely closed his mouth and he put his hand up again to speak. <laughs> I thought he was joking, but no, he, he wanted to jump back in. At least I'm putting my hand up. I am a very polite podcast. Because well, two minutes ago, I was trying to move you on and you said, oh, I'll just bring it up later. That's not very polite, is it? <laughs> um, the rest of it, Udinese beat Milan 3-1. Kev, you get to talk again because you watch this. Yeah, it was, um, it was as, well, Milan were as bad as you can, you know, you'd expect. Um, you know, I wrote a piece on total uh, hyphen Italian football uh, after the game about how um, the, current, the current recent results even have kind of masked that they just don't score enough goals. Um, they've conceded sort of uh, one goal every two games, which is sort of masked that they, they score only about a goal every game. So... Whereas last season, there was something about them. If they did fall behind, they looked like they had something in them to score the goals that would get yeah. them past people. But now, 
Yeah, yeah, and if you if you if they concede as early as they did like like this weekend or ten minutes to, to Roberto Pereira, then you just don't think they're going to come back. And they were a little bit fortunate, although I did think it was a penalty. Um, and then obviously they got the second chance after Ibrahimovic fluffed his lines originally. And this was where um, I mentioned, I think, on on our chat personally about uh, Nigel Spackman, the BT commentator going off on a different, a bit of a rant about having to re-evaluate the encroaching rules. And I was sort of pulling my hair out thinking, they yeah. did that. Now they've they got it right. They literally did that because they have got it right, exactly. Because previously it was, they could pull something back for any sort of encroachment. And it was stupid on the uh, Udinese's part that the defender just didn't allow Silvestri to just come and collect the ball because no Milan fa- uh, player was putting pressure on them. But it just happened to be the, the Udinese player that was doing the encroaching, then just sort of went and passed the ball out for you know a throw in or played it wide, I think, to a, a teammate. And that's what happens. It's it's whether it, the person encroaching gets the ball rather than the the penalties kicked or scored, uh, kicked, uh, scored or, or or missed. And um, I've got no problem with the encroachment rule, but it just again that's a bit like Roma tonight. It took so long. It, it felt like we'd had two attacks by the time they pulled the play back, and you know we had another we had another penalty attempt for yeah, Ibrahimovic. It was, it was another long one. Poor Marco Silvestri, by the way, <laughs> because he was playing really well. Yeah. And then, as as they pointed out, that's the second time this season. The other one being against Inter, where he saved a penalty, and then it's been retaken because oh, of Udinese players encroaching, and then they've scored. <laughs> He's been like penalty saves are, are uh, the second biggest stat probably for goalkeepers have to clean sheets and you know the ones that you really are proud of and um he's had two very good ones taken away from him speaking of penalties sorry to go off a little bit but did you see the penalty that Rio Vallecano did no that's that you could have said any team there and they were towards the bottom of the list of people I thought you might say seek it out <laughs> they did do you remember who did it I can't remember who did it the penalty where you pass it Oh, uh, the Pires Pires Henry. Like one nil or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I just seen it. Oh um, no, <laughs> was it at their own ground? Like, was it at home? Yeah, we're in the home yeah. kit. Yeah, yeah. Good, because <laughs> when we well, a, a very nice, a very nice groundsman let us in to see the state, uh, see the pitch when we were walking around the stadium in Madrid last week, and then the per- the groundsman on the on the mower. Sort of started telling him off and telling us to get out, and I wanted to. You know, we want to have a little bit of a walk around the pitch. Well, oh, no. So hopefully that groundsman has made uh, cursed him by by kicking us <laughs> out. He created a divot that the uh, that the second man tripped over. <laughs> yeah, he, he's mm. screwed over his own team. It's it's bad though, isn't it? Because they get the shot off, but he puts it over the crossbar. Imagine being the, the guy who rolled it off because he he actually <laughs> didn't do anything. Because the, the, the Pires on Reborn, it was the, the layoff Taker was bad. He, up, yeah. But <laughs> that one is just purely the guy taking the shot has just fluffed it. It's not even deflected. I'm glad you've sent that link because <laughs> it was Suarez and Messi who did it right, wasn't it? Like that was, mm, it, was yeah. it was nice when they did it. Obviously it was done before, before, before as well. Cruyff, was Cruyff. it? Mm. Yeah, Cruyff was the original. I think yeah. with Naiskins. Did Cruyff do the passing or the finishing? Cruyff did the it's passing. Definitely his idea, it wasn't it? The power to take off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he'll tell you. It was can anybody work out Udinese? <laughs> no, no. They're, they're... I couldn't even work out what that kit they were playing. In. Too, yeah. <laughs> they're the same as Torino. I don't quite know what they're doing at any point. Um, sometimes they're quite entertaining. A lot of the time, they're utterly horrendous to Not watch. Not often. Not often. Um, They've got some very good players individually, you know, Betu and Udoji and a couple of other, you know, De La Faye was good. Uh, Pereira can be good. But Every time I uh, see Beto play, I just really want Atalanta to sign him to be like the next Duvan. <laughs> There's a, well, talking of signings, because um, Bacal's rumoured to be going to Inter. Mm. But. I was watching that game thinking, has he worn number 50 all season? <laughs> it feels like he's had a sort of a January transfer window sort of change. I could have saw he was number three or, you know, he had a sort of traditional number and I saw it seeing number 50 and thinking, that doesn't look right. I know this player's face. 
he is a regular. He is not like somebody who's come off the bench just for this game. And he's wearing number 50. And I thought, that just feels like that's not right. And I wonder whether he's changed it. You know, I haven't had a chance to look I know, it, I think he has been 50 for quite a while. We need to move summer. swiftly through what's left. Atalanta 2, Empoli 1. Atalanta finally back to winning ways. I think Gasparini made a big decision and a correct decision to, to drop Rasmus Hoyland and Adamola Luckman because they've been in pretty poor form. Hoyland, as well, it's important to remember, is still very young and learning his trade. And then he came off the bench and got his goal, Burnsy, which probably vindicates the decision even further. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a age-old tactic to use on strikers, isn't it? Drop them, wind them up, essentially, because they don't like it. No one likes it, but strikers really don't like it. Um, stick them on for the last whatever it was and see what they do <laughs> in a rage. I always remember Charlotte Ferguson used to do it non-stop with Wayne Rooney. Just wind him up into a little pit bull and then he goes and scores. And Hoyland did something pretty similar. I'm sitting here in my Columbia shirt because Duvan Zapata's back, guys. He's playing really well. He's played really well two games in a row. And we've not had this. We've not had this for about 18 months where Duvan's been fit enough to play two games in a row. So he's my favourite player in the whole world at the moment. So just allow me to enjoy the fact that he's back and he's playing. And I'm going to be wearing this Columbia shirt for the next 72 hours, probably. Yeah. I'll say, I'm not going to wear it to Rome. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> what else happened? Fiorentina, they are creeping on up the table. They're in the top half now. Ninth, they beat Lecce 1-0. And Kev, they're starting to just have a decent season. It was like a joke, but now they're going far in Europe and they're in the top half of the table. All right. Yeah, well, I think we were joking that, you know, would they take plummeting down the table, you know, because they're at no risk of relegation, but sort of, uh, you know, making waves in the, the Conference League. And um, they've actually surprised us and are doing both. They're sort of picking up points. This was a this was a dreadful, dreadful game. Please don't tell me you actually um, watched and they sort of scraped. the highlights of this. Well, it was on. So it was on on the tablet as I was sort of wandering around. The tablet usually follows me around the house when these sorts of games are on. Um and uh, no, I had it in the pub with me. <laughs> That's what I do. I Sad take, I, I, take <laughs> I take multiple no, devices. I take multiple devices to the pub. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Stace loves it when I take a little tablet and we put do it in the corner. Like um, pick up some, pick up some wonderful Wi-Fi. Well, no, they were playing some FA Cup football, which nobody wants to watch that, do they? So I stuck with uh, Fiorentina Lecce. Um, this game was on, but you know, to a good one. It was the same as Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. I think I had yeah, I had good. Napoli on the phone, and uh, yeah, I had Napoli on the phone, and or whatever way I had it round. I had one on the phone and one on the because yeah, why are you sport, in the you pub? Can choose your game, everybody. <laughs> just be, uh, just be well, at home. It was Mother's Day. It was, it was no, it was Mother's Day. She wanted to see me. I haven't seen her for six months. I can't <laughs> so, work out. Was she there yeah, too? That, that was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she, she was, was there, on yeah. another device. Yeah, Kev was there. It was a video call. <laughs> I don't know, Kev. You're a confusing bloke. Um, She's on the laptop. She she was reading she was reading my book. Um, <laughs> oh, that you signed it for. <laughs> You've painted a terrible picture of yourself in like thirty seconds here. <laughs> I take all my devices to the pub. I never see my mum, and I, I make I gifted her my book. <laughs> you say terrible picture. Uh, consummate professional. Well, wanted to watch as much Syria as I can. That's not good. Um, there you go. I don't go sitting stroking llamas or whatever. What, what was it? Kakamuga? Kakabara? He's got you back to rights there. He's got you back to rights, Bernsey. Listen. Yeah. You could have been covering who's Nazi me last weekend, a whole weekend, and then like half the week. And then he comes back and he spends the Saturday petting a capybara. Listen, I've done a week's work oh, no, in four days and I still managed to go and see some capybaras. I think that's decent going. And it was three hour round, no, well, six hour round jobs, trip. Fine. <laughs> I could have flown to New York in the time it took me to go and see them. <laughs> Just going to let that hang there for a bit. <laughs> so everyone knows what you've been up to. Um, Sassuolo beat Spezia no 1-0. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, you, and that is the problem. Sassuolo Spezia was 1-0, Serenitana Bologna 2-2. Looking at the other games, what else was there? Samperona 3-1. That's a shock. Samper finally off the bottom of the table. They did their utmost to throw it away. Now, they were 2-0 up and cruising, and then Verona scored twice, 
and both of the goals were ruled out after quite long VAR checks. And then Verona finally got a goal that stood, and then they were knocking on the door, and Samp just scored with literally the last kick of the game on a swift counter attack. Um, Vito Doria, maybe it's best if you don't come back on the podcast for Samp's sake, because I'm pretty sure they did win another game this season when you weren't on it. So, Kev, you look like you're dying to jump in here. No, I was just going to say there's no saving them. They're off the Although, uh, Verona scored their first potential equaliser just as I was leaving to go out. So when I saw it was 3-1, I assumed that stood. <laughs> and then I sort of got to see the sort of final highlights. And I was like, where's the seven minutes uh, seven minutes injury time come from? So you've just explained that to me because I haven't actually seen... Did you not take this game with you? But... Well, I was walking. It's you know the one thing I will uh, stop at is walking down the road, watching football highlights and potentially getting I run can't over believe uh, crossing the street. I can't. Kevin Kev admitted to taking his tablet to the pub to watch the football on it, and then I get shamed for stroking a capybara. I think one of them is much worse than the other. <laughs> yeah, we were all weird, but I think one of them is worse than the other. <laughs> one of them is, and that's why we insulted one of them and didn't insult the other one. To be, to be fair, sometimes it doesn't come out because I can convince the pub to put the other game on. But, <laughs> by, uh, by threatening it depends them. What I'll pub get my tablet can... out if you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because if, if they've got multiple screens, then we can find somewhere suitable mm. to, to watch some Italian I football. I bet they fucking love so. it when you walk through the door. <laughs> oh, God, it's that man again who <laughs> wants us to put Sam versus Verona. Quick point of... No, Monza won, Cremonese won. If you think back to the 24th of February, the Europa Conference League's round of 16 draw was announced and Monza replied to that tweet saying, where is Monza? Since that tweet, they've lost 3-0 to Salernitana, they've beaten Empoli 2-1, they've drawn with Verona and they've drawn with Cremonese. Textbook. Yep. Anyone want to... <laughs> that just deserved. Oh, fine. Oh, well. Good. Okay. Um, so that will do it we will be back in the week I'd imagine the women's football podcast what's happened the kit why are you shouting kit I, I just wanted to know if Cremonese got score, uh, wore their 120th not anniversary kit oh and because uh, I, I didn't see know. this if you, Either you remember to watch no. Kev, there's a better chance of me going to stroke a Captain yeah. Barrow but then this is them. about as pointless. <laughs> no, as, I'm creeped out by your obsession with them. You're playing I... a role. Uh, I've got a new favourite animal now. Anyway, the binta role. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I want to know what that is. I really don't know what it's like. What game are you missing <laughs> next week to go and stroke one of those? <laughs> Italy Malta. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. Who's our? Oh, it's international. There break. are actually oh, alpacas yeah. where I'm going as well. I bought okay. them when I was younger. Yeah. If anyone, if, if I've done two games this week. One I'm not doing international. Podcast lives in Norfolk. Bring your animals indoors this weekend because specifically wells next to the sea. Right there you go. You've been warned. Hide your animals because Burnsy's about. <sighs> the women's football podcast. I'm gonna talk to Burnsy about organising that, but I'm going to Rome for the women's Champions League what is going to be a really historic day for Roma because they're playing at the Stadio Olimpico for the first ever time and they've already sold 35,000 tickets and that went from 25,000 to 35,000 between the 15th and the 18th of March. By the time this is being listened to, it's the 21st of March, so that could well have gone up towards 40,000, which I've heard from people in Rome that they were hoping, like best case scenario, to get 30,000. So it's good. So they're not capping it. They're not capping the capacity for stewarding or anything. It looks, it looks like it's it could fill. Obviously, we probably expect it not to. I it, have a suspicion not capping it'll probably peak at about forty-two, but that's just my own gut feeling more than anything else. Um, but they've really started to sell because it was fifteen thousand, and then suddenly it was twenty-five, and now it's thirty-five. So it's a really exciting time on the pitch. I think they're going to really suffer because Barcelona are possibly the greatest ever women's football team and like borderline different sport <laughs> yeah and roma have never played in front of a crowd like this before this is the important thing barcelona play in front of the crowds like this every champions league game they pack out the camp now and 
something on Roma's side. Barca played away at Bayern in front of a big home crowd for Bayern and couldn't quite deal with it. When they played the Champions League final at the Allianz Stadium, it was a very mixed crowd against Lyon, big crowd, and they couldn't quite handle it. So maybe there's something there that when Barcelona are playing in front of fans that aren't quite their own, it's interesting. But whatever happens, what an occasion. And do head to total-italianfootball.com at Serie A Total on Instagram and Twitter. We will be covering that. I'm going to enter Rome specifically for it and to eat carbonara. Kev? Yeah, it's interesting you're saying about the uh, spectators because I know some female um, footballers have sometimes commented about when they get moved into a big stadium and it's not full mm. and they struggle with that because they're used to a more... An intimate setting. You know, um, you know that's, the, that's an excellent uh, description, uh, intimate setting. But if they're going to have 35,000 there, then... You know, I imagine they're just and going to fraud off it that. It should also be noted that the the fans of Roma's men's team have picked up a really good reputation this season for being so vocal and so good and so supportive. The fans of their women's team are also that. Like, there's there's nobody like them in Serie Like, Juventus have a vocal support. Inter have a vocal support. Roma are on another level. And they regularly have the highest attendance any given match week. So, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The atmosphere pre-match, I can't wait. And I, I just think it's going to be uh, a possibly... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. 15 hours. 15 and a half hours is taking a soul <laughs> on me. I can't think of any more pieces of vocabulary to finish this sentence. So we'll leave it there. Head over to the website and get us on socials and you'll keep up with that from there. Anything to say before we finish, Brunzi? No, goodbye. Campionato di calcio italiano. <laughs>